Hello, I'm Caroline Carey. I'm a soul worker and soul doula. I have a deep understanding of the soul's journey from cradle to grave, and I've traveled between the veils of the spirit realms. I've studied the path it evokes, and I've come to understand why the majority of today's problems are rooted in the loss of spirituality. So my work, which is Middle Earth Medicine Ways, empowers people to find what is lost and to reclaim their own circle of strength by embodying their soul. And I do this by holding a space for healing and soul retrieval with shamanic skills, trance and conscious dance. I love creative writing and poetry. Please join me in listening to these wonderful teachers and soul workers, the facilitators and the guides of spiritual and shamanic work. They all have something very important to share and are a great gift to our communities. I've learned a lot from listening to them. I invite you to also. The dark night of the soul, when I hear that, all of a sudden I also think of the, the soul dark of the night and the dark soul of the night and the night soul of the dark and how you can throw all these things together to get a deeper feeling of what does it actually mean. For me, that's really important to let the soul night of the dark also come in and teach me and help me. You know, for me, darkness can be a very, very healing place to be. Hi, Caroline here. And today I am sharing with you the most beautiful interview conversation I had with Zara Wald. We met many years ago and she has always held a beauty and a fascination for me in connection with the spirit world. I invite you to come and join, come and listen and hear what she has to say. We are very in tune with our beliefs, our understandings of the dark night of the soul and yeah, Zara will take us on a very wonderful journey. I hope you'll enjoy and let us know in the comments what you think. Yeah, my name is uh, Zara, Sara Valdebeck, <clears throat> and I'm originally uh, from Sweden, born, uh, born in Stockholm. And then I lived in Britain for a long time, or rather the British Isles. And uh, when I was very, very young, uh, I, I just had this deep love of story. And I knew from a very, very young age that I wanted to, that my life should involve a story. And um, so I have done that in different ways uh, through my life. Uh, I'm, I'm a writer. I used to be a filmmaker. Um, I work a lot as a creativity coach. And I also work um, with animism and story. So I teach courses in how to work uh, with story in nature, with storytelling as a tool for change in society. Um, I work with uh, writing with the soul and, and how to listen to nature and hear the stories that nature want to tell us at this time. Uh, and that's really my, my sort of heart's work. And then about 15 or so years ago, I also got very involved in actively training with uh, spirit work and what is often referred to as shamanism, but I like to call spirit work. 
And so um, for the last however many years, I also work together with my part partner, Jonathan Horwitz. We have a, a small retreat center here in, the, in Southern Sweden where um, we teach courses and have people uh, on retreats and also personal treatment and what we call shamanic guidance. And my feeling with this work is that I feel that it's very, very important for me and also for life at this time that we join spirit and matter together, that, that we remember that life is not only matter, it is also spirit. It is not only the concrete things that we can see and touch, but it's also all those other things that are maybe slightly more invisible, but that have a really great impact on our life. You know, and if that sounds a little bit vague or abstract, I just like to say things like love and joy. They're, they're pretty invisible, but they have a great effect in our life. And also things like energy, you know, energy in terms of our nervous system, energy in terms of mobile phones and Wi-Fi, even just radio waves, invisible things that we manage to, to work with because we have receivers. And so we work with spirit waves, if you like, and, and have receivers for that. For me, it's not so different than a lot of the other energy networks we've got going on in the West, you know, what we normally actually are more in the North, I have to say. So that's what I work with. I work with the invisible and and trying to guide it and let it guide me and see how it can really bring us back to life in a sort of fully embodied and fully ensouled way. So we can be really alive while we're here on this earth. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much for that. It's really clear and uh very inspiring yeah I can identify with a lot of what you're sharing we've got a lot in common hey and I wonder if you've had an experience of a dark night in your life that's very significant to you um, that you can recall when I hear the phrase dark night of the soul what comes to me first before I go into my own personal experience is that the night is a very powerful time for me and the dark is a very powerful time for me. Growing up here in the north, we have very long dark winters and I'm born in the winter and I have a great affinity to the winter and the darkness. And I find that the darkness is a very healing and restful and expansive place to be. I find that a lot of people I meet haven't really been introduced to the darkness or the night you know, in ways that help us to be with it. And so then we often just feel scared of it. And very often, when I was a kid, I was very, very scared of the dark. And I hear a lot of people are scared of the dark. And I would lie in the dark and close my eyes and say, no, 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 I don't want to see it, I don't want to see it, I don't want to see it, go away, go away. And it took me many years to learn how to open my eyes to the dark. And in many shamanic traditions, uh, the shaman is the one who can see in the dark. And we learn how to see in the dark. And this is something that most people can do. And so what I mean by that in this context is that we can learn to be with the dark in lots of different ways. So for me, for instance, these days, after going through menopause, I don't sleep as much as I used to sleep. And I often wake up in the middle of the night and I have really wonderful, clear, insightful moments where I have a sort of an hour, an hour and a half with the night. And I feel the night 
it gives such a lot of space for things to be heard and to come up to the surface. And so I just want to say that, first of all, that I have a great love for the dark and I have a great love for the night. And the night is the time of rest and peacefulness and the time of dreams and expansiveness. Just like for me, the winter is a, it's like this huge womb where nothing and everything exists at the same time. And because I love to work with words, when I heard you say the phrase, the dark night of the soul, which there are also some very painful experiences, which I'll come to in a minute. The dark night of the soul, when I hear that, all of a sudden I also think of the, the soul dark of the night and the dark soul of the night and the night soul of the dark and how you can throw all these things together to get a deeper feeling of what does it actually mean. For me, that's really important to let the soul night of the dark also come in and teach me and help me. You know, for me, darkness can be a very, very healing place to be. But, and that's because I feel like somebody or several people really taught me how to be with the night, how to be with the dark. And another thing that really comes to mind is that, again, because of my love of words, I love to go back to the root meaning of words and look into etymology. And so as far as I understand, the root meaning of the word crisis is an old Greek word that means turning point, usually turning point in an illness. And it was the time where either the fever broke and you got well or you died. And I think about crisis in this way. It's a turning point. Either like it's total downhill all the way or something breaks and I can get better. And this is often what the dark night of the soul has been for me. And there's been several instances in my life where I feel it's been a breaking point and a turning point that at the time was really very painful and scary and confusing. Sometimes because I had learned how to stay with it and not run away. And sometimes because somehow I just managed to work out what it was I needed to listen to it, just to listen to it. It gave me great gifts. So I had a literal dark night of the soul, right? She would say about nearly 20 years ago. And I was living in England and I was in a time of great change in my life. Since the age of five, I wanted to be a storyteller and work with stories. And I had put a lot of effort and time and energy into becoming a screenwriter and a filmmaker. And it was going pretty well, but it was not going as well as I had hoped. And then I was working on this feature film script <clears throat> and, and there was like pressures and pressures and pressures of deadlines. And it was getting to the point where I couldn't sleep. And I literally remember lying in bed and I think it was around New Year's time. It might even have been the night of 2nd of January. And I woke up in the night and I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. And I was lying there with the question. And my question was, what if I never write another word in my whole life in terms of stories? And for me, that was huge because since I had been five years old, this is where I wanted to go. This is who I wanted to be. And so suddenly here I was, and I guess I was about 38. I thought, what if I never do this again? Who will I be? 
and what will my life be like? And even though it might seem like a small thing, to me, it was a huge thing. I was lying there all night thinking, what if I let this go? What if I let this part of me totally go? Who will I be? And I felt like I was almost dissolving in the night. That I thought maybe by morning I won't even exist anymore. Because I'm letting go like something that's so core to me. And it was also very exhilarating in a way. You know, there's a, a, a very fine line between terror and excitement. <laughs> um, it was sort of exhilarating to think, what if I just let it all go and stand completely naked and empty in front of life and see what happens now? And so I actually did that. I actually said, okay, for two years, I'm not gonna write a single word I mean, I write a letter or email or you know, to-do list, but nothing to do with work or stories, not a single word, just to see what would happen if I gave myself the space to become something else. And so that's what I did and, and that's what happened. And my life changed massively into something I could hardly have ever imagined. And in the end, I did come all the way round, full circle back to story work but before then I had about 10 years where I totally left it behind and I allowed another part of me to come forth. That was hugely valuable for me. And even though it was terrifying at the time, and I could remember the feeling of literally thinking maybe I will no longer exist if I let this go, you know, because it was so core to my soul. So that was a big risk, but it was also a great leap of faith. It's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And and would you say that, how long was that, would you say the actual dark night was for you? Like what what was it, you know, what did it entail in, in length of time and experience? Can you describe it a little bit more, like on a physical embodied level? It's interesting because I can't actually remember much after it. I just really remember very physically going through it. And I... I remember going through it from maybe two or three o'clock at night and then into the wee small hours. And then I don't remember falling asleep. If I did sleep, I don't remember waking up. I just remember this feeling of sort of free floating in the darkness and sort of untying myself from all my previous life and simply becoming free in a way and expansive. And that's all I can really say. That's what I mean about I didn't know if I was going to dissolve. I didn't know if I was going to cease to exist or if I was going to become something else. And the thing for me about this, these deep transformations in the night, in the dark, what's really helpful about the dark is that we can't see everything that happens. And if in the, in the daytime, we can see everything. And so then we're thinking about oh, what's happening here and how did this change? But in the dark, I have to surrender much more I have to surrender to change and transformation and just let it happen let it take over and many times I have sat out overnight like a mini vision quest or in Sweden we call it utesitta, sitting out overnight and there's something so special about seeing in the dark because it's a total different seeing and we see different things and in the light yes we can see some things but there's so much we can't see and so when you sit outside overnight, 
in the dark and it's really dark, all of a sudden, a lot of things become visible and clear, which seems like such a paradox, but it's this other aspect of life that isn't just the concrete, isn't just the physical matter, but everything else that you give space to take shape. And so, so that's how it feels to, for me to be in the night. It's like, it's not like I necessarily leave my body. I'm still very present, but I open myself to, to see and to be with the things that don't normally get to have space or time in, in everyday life. And so that's why it's this really precious time for me in the night. It's very open and very, very vast. Beautiful. Thank you. And so did you have, at that time, do you feel there was something that you trusted more than yourself? For me, there's always this higher power. There's always my spirit guides or my, you know, my connection to God. It's a very strong thing for me. And, and, and that's what I would lean into at any time of, like you say, the darkness. These days, what helps me trust and stay there and not run away is that I have a very deep relationship to uh, what I call my spirit helpers. And to uh, I trust life, I've learned to trust life, I've learned to trust myself, although in my instincts and my intuition, that was a longer journey. It's easier to trust the spirits than to trust myself. I trust life, I trust that if I give it time, it will work itself out. And the older I've got, I've got used to that. But when I was younger, I didn't have that, you know. And I don't really know how people survive without that. Because where do you go? Where do you go in those moments of crisis when you really need to put your trust in something? And I feel I was very lucky because somehow, long before I learned how to open up to the spirit side of life, my whole creative work was the same thing really, but in a different way. I was trying to really listen, trying to really listen to life, listen to the invisible, listen to the stories, listen to myself, listen to my body and the various sort of illnesses I've gone through in my life. Um, I learned to listen to my body and I learned to trust my body that if I would just stay with it and give it a bit of time, something would reveal itself. I think this is difficult because sometimes we panic, we get very afraid. And the great thing about fear is it can wake us up. But if fear stays too long, it can um, solidify and freeze us. And then it's very difficult to, to break out of that shell. You know? So um, somehow in my life, <laughs> I don't know how, but at certain key points, even when I was very, very young, I just knew some things. Like 80% in my life, I would find it really difficult to make a decision. I'd be in doubt and like, oh, what does she want? What does he want? What do I want? I don't know. But there were certain key things that when it really came down to it, I just knew. I knew what I had to do if I peeled away all the other layers. And so um, luckily, I then found my way to people who could help me to develop that and that's become a great help and in our work with healing we often say to people you know you're not working alone and you have to work you can work with power with life energy with support to go through you're not meant to necessarily go through it alone some things we have to go through alone 
um, because then we really stand naked with ourselves and we make our own choices. And when we make really difficult choices, that's when we learn how, you know, who we are. And I remember uh, also a very dark night of the soul about only six, seven years ago, I had to take a very, very difficult decision and I couldn't decide either way. It was one of those very complex issues. And I was asking for guidance. I was asking for guidance and they were saying, no, we're not gonna tell you what to do. And then finally, I sort of worked out that, <clears throat> you know, cause I just wanted someone to tell me what to do, tell me what to do so it will all be all right. And they said, no, it's up to you to choose. And there was absolutely no way, whatever I cho chose, there would be a risk. And so I, I learned a lot about, well, which risk do I want to take? And what, which of the choices is closest to who I am? You know, which of the choices like makes me feel like, yes, this was the right one for me. I'm standing by myself. I'm standing by what I really trust and believe in and who I am and who I want to be. And so then I, sh instead of asking for help to get a clear answer, I asked for help to, to trust myself to make a good decision. And that really changed my life because I realized I hadn't done that before ever. And, uh, and then I made the decision that I felt was right for me. And then I've, I'll never know if that was the right one or not really, but there was something deep about learning to trust myself and my own choices and my decisions not from a place of fear, but from a place of being very deeply connected to who I am. So that can be very powerful when we stand in front of huge um, dilemmas, shall we say. It's also the time that the universe asks of us, what will you choose? If it's your choice, what will you choose? So, you know, what would you say yours, your gift was from this experience? whether we go willingly or whether we are dragged or thrown in there, I think there's always a gift. It might take time to show itself. What I've found in my life is that it's not that helpful to go looking for the gift because then I miss a lot of things and mm, think a lot about peripheral vision and again, coming back to this idea of the night being very expansive, there's a lot to feel and sense and experience in the night. And so I like to have this wide peripheral vision of all my senses, I like to be very open to the night. And if I'm looking for the gift or saying, okay, what's the gift in this? What's the gift in this? I get sort of tunnel vision a bit more. I know there's a gift there, but I sort of have to not look for it, for it to show itself. And but there's always a gift if we work with it enough, if I stay with it long enough, even in really hard times. And um, I remember there's sort of three specific times in my life where I've been really struck by grief, by very deep grief. And the, the first time, the gift from that time <clears throat> was that I somehow magically found my way to uh, volunteering as a bereavement counsellor. Um, not because I had a plan that I thought, oh, I've gone through this time of grief, now I want to help others. 
but it's more I went through this time and I was just free floating in it and not really knowing again feeling undone by it but not trying to bring myself back together too soon and then just having this idea that well I have a bit of extra time now because I had to take time off to go process all this grief and I thought I want to volunteer but I can't do certain things I can I can't do things with set times and so I went to this I was living in a a small town called Whitstable at the time in England, and they had this small volunteer centre on the hill. It's like a sort of magical building. I don't know anyone who has that anymore. And you could go in there and say, I'd like to volunteer. What could I do? And they had all these options, right? And they gave me this leaflet and said, well, here's something about being a bereavement counsellor. And, and I'd never considered that. I don't know if I'd even heard of it. And so then I, I trained in becoming a, um, volunteer bereavement counsellor and it was really beautiful work it was very deeply beautiful work I learned so much that has really been a deep foundation in my life since um, I learned how to meet grief without too much fear but with really deeply open heart and deep listening and I met two amazing people my supervisor was the most incredible person and I still think of her now and I, yesterday I was thinking about things that she said to me. And like, I, I only worked with her for two years, but she was such a gift to me. She, at, at that time, I was going through a big transformation, deep, deep transformation, and she just appeared in my life. She was like this complete mentor for me at that time in my life and made a lot of things possible. So that was a beautiful thing. The second really big grief was when uh, a bit later on and I had, I was sitting uh, in the springtime um, planting some seeds, you know, in, uh, in new soil and I got a telephone call from a friend to say another friend had killed herself. And I still remember that moment of getting the telephone call and I thought, thank God I've got my hands in soil with new seeds because otherwise I don't know what I would do. There was something about that. Like just keep my fingers in the soil with the new seeds. And there was a very shocking, um, it wasn't completely unexpected, but it was still very shocking. And in the next two hours, I just went through this, it was daytime, it wasn't night, but I went through this very deep um, crisis. And what came out of it was a huge yes, a huge yes to life that I realized I had never really accepted before. And, and the grief I felt about her dying, and I don't know where it came from, it just welled up like this huge force that said to me, now is the time to let go of any ambivalence of being here in life and like there and then I made a decision that I would never leave unless I was asked to go. And that was a huge gift for me. That was again, a life-changing moment where this just giant yes to life came in huge neon letters and sort of lit everything up in a way that I hadn't even understood. And the third experience of grief, which was again, a few years later, was when a really beloved uh, member of the family uh, 
suddenly went, was suddenly taken quite violently. And it was a really big shock. And it took a long time to heal from that. And so again, that was a longer process. Was that a dark night of the soul? It wasn't a way because I had to have huge trust in not to just go into this incredible dark hole and never come out. Because part of me just wanted to go into this dark hole and never come out. And what I decided was let's just stay in life but let's not, let's allow that big gaping hole of loss to be there. Let's not try to put a lid on it. Let's not try to stuff anything down in it. Let it just be there. And then what happened gradually over some two years, it just gradually, gradually began to shrink a little bit until it was, you know, just a little, little hole. And I learned so much in that process about just staying with grief and staying with loss and um, allowing each loss to heal in its own way. You know, and, and we, we talk a lot about when we teach about how loss and pain is really love, which can feel like a very feel like a platitude but like all platitudes and cliches they have a lot of power at their heart a lot and if I didn't love so much I wouldn't feel the pain I'd be ah, I wouldn't care right that doesn't matter so it is the price of love and after that experience of losing that member in the end I, I made a choice again I thought is it too painful to love. And I thought, yes, it's painful to lose who you love, incredibly so. I mean, sometimes it's so painful, you, you literally can hardly exist. And I would never ever swap that for not loving. And so again, it was like a really powerful choice. It just became a more conscious choice that to say love is always greater than pain. Love is always worth it, whatever the pain, always. I would never choose a life without love if I could choose, you know? And that's difficult because I know that there's a lot of great pain ahead if I think about loss and grief, but I'd still always choose love. Well, this is, this is really beautiful, Zara. Do you know, and, I, and it's, it's, it's great to bring that level of awareness in around the death of somebody that you love. Um, I think that is, for many people, is probably... You know, we, we go through a dark night dur during that time mm. um, for many. And I think it's, it's a, a beautiful addition to what we're sharing here because I don't think anybody has spoken about that um, in, in such a, a beautiful, loving way that you have. Um, so, yeah, and, and it, it sounds to me like that is one of the gifts, hey? One of the gifts is to experience that the essence of that love um, where you might not experience it at any other time or, or realize it in such a strong way the importance of, of having that loving nature so thank you for that and, and i just want to add something about love yeah. and grief which is in my experience the grief does lessen never goes away but it lessens but the love remains and so the love if we want it to grows even stronger in a way in this very light and beautiful way and that's what's so amazing that even in deep, deep grief, you can hold on to the love 
you know, that gives you like a, a rudder or a, or a lifeline so that you know that this is the sort of measure of love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so when it comes to you sharing your gifts now with others and you hold space for people's growth, you, um, you hold retreats and workshops and the like, do you know, what would you say you're bringing to them now from your own experiences with this? What is your offering to them? So when I work with other people now in, in healing ways, I feel that because I've gone through my own healing experiences, I'm talking from a place of, of experience, which I guess is the dis difference between wisdom and knowledge to some extent, right? And the main thing I really try and help people with is just to stay open. I think we close very quickly. We close against the pain as a, as a sort of protective shielding measure. But as Jonathan taught me, it just ends up shielding you from life. And, and uh, I went through a phase when I was younger that I was so afraid of so much that I just, I basically just backed myself into a corner and built huge walls around me. And then one day, you know, someone came knocking and said, hey, this is not really living. And I thought, no, you know, it's not really living, you're right. And then they said, well, let me show you what life can be like. And so that's what I try and do. I try to take people by the hand or sit with them when they're going through really, really um, times of the crisis, like when we break open again, this breaking open, I feel is such a time of possibility if we have support and, and power to help us go through it, or, or if we have a lifeline to hold on to some trust. And I trust really deeply now that if I just listen to, to what's going on, we will find a way through it. If we, if we put a cork in it, it will always find a way to sort of explode somewhere else. So I have a deep trust in the healing process. And, and years ago, my, my spirit mentors, they said to me, you know, healing doesn't always feel good. Healing isn't about feeling good. Healing is about putting things back into the right place, into the right order, where there is a, everything is where it should be. And I feel when we do this, and I, I have different ways of doing this with people, depending on how they like to work, you know, we can begin to hear the soul again. And I feel that the soul, okay, it's invisible, it maybe didn't get much space here in the world, which is very obsessed with physical matter, <clears throat> but it, it, for most people, it's difficult to talk to people about spirits because they don't know what that is or they think it's something it's not or they think it's weird. But you can talk to pretty much most people about soul and they'll have some reverberation in them. And so that's what I like to do. I like to just sit with them to help them hear their soul. And if we really listen to it, it will show the way. Yeah, is there anything else you would like to add from personal experience or a message for others or anything at all that you feel this is really important that I share this in this mm -hmm. documentary? Feel free to, um, yeah, expand on that a little. What I would really like to 
share with people or even ask of people or beg of people is to make a friend of the night, to go out for a walk in the night, maybe learn about nocturnal animals, maybe just sit with your eyes closed and listen to the night, even if it's not quiet, you know, even if there's sirens or traffic or just learn to be with the night, make a bit of space for it in your life and see what happens. Um, there is a beautiful tradition here in Sweden called Kura Skymning, which we do in the dark, darker months of the year, where as twilight falls, you just sit in the twilight without any light or sound. You just sit there until it gets dark. And then when it gets dark, you can light one candle if you want. And it's amazing how incredibly bright that one candle is when you've got used to sitting in the dark, when you've got your night vision. We also do these darkness retreats. We used to do them. And our darkness retreats are very simple. They're not about uh, really trying to heighten the senses in particularly, but they're just about walking out in the night and getting our night vision and learning to, to be with the dark so we are not afraid of it anymore. That's what I would really encourage people to try to make a friend of the night. Don't be afraid of the dark, whether it's physical night or whether it's your own dark night of the soul. When it comes, okay, we can panic or break for a while, but then at some point, just trust it. Just say to yourself, okay, this is incredibly scary, painful, weird. Just trust it. What if there's something here? What if I just stay with it? Just stay with it. Don't run away. Stay with it. Listen. Get some help, but don't get help that's going to like cover it up. Get help to just help you stay in it. And then one day you'll wake up and something will have changed. Oh, beautiful, Sarah. I love that. I, 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 yeah, you remind me, I mean, I just love those twilight zones. It's my favourite times, you know, just, just there. And I, I go out in the garden at the moment with the puppy and uh, she has to go out at a pee at like really early hours and, you know, sitting at the bottom of the garden like that. And, you know, it's just that time where everything's, you know, the sun's not quite there, but it's just starting to change. It's that in between the worlds is... It's a magical, magical moment, and and likewise in the evening. So yeah, thank you for naming that. That's that's great. Wow, I think we've got some really juicy stuff here. <laughs> great. <laughs> and thank you so much for oh, it's doing so... this because I think it's such a great, great thing to talk with people. Yeah, yeah. About, you know, it really is. Yeah, especially what we're going through at the moment. As well. yeah. I think there's a lot of dark nights happening, and. Um, you know, it's yeah. a big time of change, and I, I, I personally, I'm really valuing it. I'm, I'm yeah. saying, yeah, bring it on. And I know that's not the case for many people, and I am privileged in in where I live and what I can yeah. do with my life. Um, and it's not the case for so many people out there. But I do believe, on the whole, there's, there's going to be a massive change through yeah. this breakthrough, and we need it on some level. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I also feel exactly the same. You know, we're so privileged mm -hmm. here. But I think then it's up to us if we are privileged to really and if we can feel that something's really going on, then it's yeah. up to us to really take that seriously. You know? Absolutely. And do what we can to address it and, and bring a, a good message from it for others yeah. Once, yeah. in whatever way we can. And I think yeah. that inspired this 
documentary. Yeah, that's great because in a way these whole two years I feel is, I mean, I hadn't put those words to it, but it is. It's like a long dark night of the soul. It's where yeah. you have to really look at yeah. some things. Yeah. And I feel unfortunately both, you know, hospital medicine or, you know, conventional medicine and also a lot of conventional therapy is just about, oh, let's make you feel better instead of like, let's go there to those places and yeah. find, find the treasure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, that's, we are geared for that in our society totally. And um, it would be, it'd be quite a thing to, to change that, to change the attitudes and the, the ways of medicine on some level that yeah. whether that happens or not is a whole other thing, but it's up to the individual, hey, to decide for themselves. Well, thank you, and um, we'll we'll stay in touch, hey. Yeah. We'll stay yeah. in touch, and um, give my love to Jonathan. And yeah, uh, I will do. And thank you so much for doing this. It's really we'll staying connected. Really inspiring. All right, have a great summer. You too, and have a great <laughs> rest of the day. And yeah, thank you. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye for now. Thank you so much for listening right to the end. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And remember, you can be in touch with myself or this speaker. My website is middleearthmedicine.com. We have a wonderful membership platform that you can join for just £5 a month. And we have lots of recordings and interesting information that we can share with you there, plus meeting online with regular groups. You can also find the details of our speaker, in the box below with their links, their websites, and a little bit of information about them. Thank you for joining me and being part of this Middle Earth Medicine community. I hope you'll listen to our next show. Please follow, share, like, whatever you can do to help this community to grow. We really appreciate you. Thank you.